0: Welcome to Real Life, the program that talks about the life of real estate in the Hamptons and beyond, the people, the places, and the things that are the pulse and heartbeat of real estate with your host, Broker Associate of Sotheby's International Realty, John Christopher.
1: Welcome back to Real Life, and this is your host, John Christopher. And today, I have real estate videographer and photographer, Harris Allen. Hi, Harris. How are you today?
2: Hey, John. I'm great. How are you?
1: I'm doing fabulous. Um, Harris, before we talk about real estate and how important you are in the selling process, let's talk about you, okay? I believe you're from the Midwest. Uh, where about exactly?
2: Uh, I like to say I'm from the cornfields of Illinois, but it's Springfield, Illinois, just on the outskirts, actually. Oh, cool. So it is- <laughs> that, is, that is cool. And, and what was it like uh, growing up there? Pretty great. I always say it's a great place to have grown up. Um, flatlands, it's the country, uh, down-to-earth people. I moved away um, right after eighth grade, actually, for uh, boarding school. So I haven't been since then, but it's always a great place to have that period of my life, that coming of age.
1: That's, yeah, that is fabulous. Uh, so what attracted you to come to the Hamptons?
2: Uh, a, by way of a lot of different cities. I started in Chicago and then school in Boston, New York City, of course, and then uh, kind of edged my way out here uh, while I was living in the city. And two years ago, I moved here full time.
1: Wow. That is, that's pretty cool. Um, How did you get enchanted by photography? When were you a kid and all of a sudden somebody gave you a, you know, I don't know what kind of camera.
2: <laughs> I get uh, pretty, pretty much. Cool. I mean, that that's pretty accurate, but um i was in fifth grade or so and, and um i remember my parents had just gotten one of the new imacs and i'd always there were always cameras around the house but um i picked up the camera you know as the story goes and uh, alongside photo photography i did um uh, video so i like used the video feature i started editing on one of the first versions of uh, imovie And every day from school in fifth and sixth grade, kind of when it really took off, I um, would edit a new video. So I would take the bus home from school. I'd get off the bus, walk the long walk down the country road, and then (laughs) run into the house and start filming and editing video.
1: Is that like the story, like Lincoln would walk uh, to school? The way you say it, a long walk. Uh, I grew up actually in the country too, and uh, I would miss the bus. So invariably I would get to the class at noon.
2: <laughs> oh, of course, yeah. <laughs> but uh, I would say it's I'd a say long walk. <laughs> you're pretty nail on the head with Lincoln. Uh, you made the comparison, so I'll gladly accept that. But um, Lincoln's actually from Springfield, Illinois. Right? He he had his. Uh, oh,
1: that's right. Interesting, a not
2: right? He had a, a lot of his adult in Springfield. So right. So that's a, well, well
1: I, didn't, I didn't mean to interrupt your your uh, what you were saying about photography. Did you have no. um, did, Were there any photographers that influenced you?
2: I will admit that most of the time I, I uh, kind of just forged my own path. And as a kid, I wasn't a ton of, you know, I wasn't that familiar with them. But over the years, of course, there have been a ton. And um, anytime there's a photography exhibit at a museum in the city or when I was in Chicago, I'd, I'd go. So it's all pretty across the board. But
1: Yeah. Oh, interesting. Now, uh, to, to go into real estate photography, was that something... You thought about. I mean, how did how did that happen? How did that come about? And you're very good, by the way. You
2: know. Thanks, Jen. Uh, that is kind of a funny story. I think it starts with uh, mentioning that my course of study in college was actually finance. Um, so funny enough, I was a finance major, and, but I did this uh, passion of mine throughout college. It was the beginning of college when. A friend of mine and I, both of his parents were real estate brokers, and um, I went up to visit him one weekend, and uh, we filmed one of the houses. That was like 2014, and so since then, I've been kind of full steam uh, in real estate. I kind of, over the years, I started out doing all kinds of videography, you know, personal projects for anyone, but um, I think after two years in or so, I just exclusively went real estate and have done that sense commercially. Right.
1: You know, it's interesting how, um, video has become such an integral part of, uh, of, uh, selling real estate because a lot now people, if you don't have a video, it seems like, uh, people are on the internet and they're getting a first view of, uh, the home, uh, before they get to actually go inside. And mm-hmm. you, do you have any techniques that you use? I mean, uh, when it comes to video,
2: of course. Yeah. And I actually primarily specialize in video. I, I do photography, of course, as you know, and um, but video has kind of been where I've able to been able to um, really make the biggest name because I have done it early on. And then I was able to kind of, I would say, master what I could and the areas that I could for it. So as far as techniques, I think it's just uh, a lot of it is I and, and then being able to once you've mastered the eye and the shot, put it together. And then after that is being able to do that faster so you can do more (laughs) properties and, and kind of keep up with demand as, as you know, how crazy it was last year. And, um, Was it difficult
1: last year? I mean, with the pandemic, I mean, were there any challenges for you?
2: I'd say difficult. It was actually, um, great. Uh, the busy, yeah, you know, I feel kind of guilty saying, but you know, even in April, May, um, that's kind of when real estate in vacation towns, especially the Hamptons, uh, as you know, kind of exploded, and that, along with it, um, my industry, which is you know, it kind of goes hand in hand with the brokers' industry. If they're busy, I'm busy, and so it's it was just pandemonium uh, and crazy busy since. And so it wasn't necessarily difficult. It was just a lot of fun. It was kind of a blur because every day there'd be a long list of shoots and and the next day you'd do the same thing. And then if it rained one day a week, that was the day you edited everything. Wow. It still still happens this way.
1: Right, 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 right. Um, I'm just thinking, uh, what about mask and and going into people's homes? Was there any reluctance by some of the sellers?
2: Totally, totally. But, uh, you know, I did mask and took all the precautions and most of the time honestly it was just me so there was an empty house a new construction home um i would just have the key or the code and and go in. there wasn't really anyone there at all you know it was just just me for a while
1: that is interesting now do you sometimes um if you go into a home and you see you know some people have uh You know, it depends on how their interiors are situated. Do you sometimes move things around so that it looks more presentable?
2: All the time. And that's kind of uh, one of the benefits of, of what I do is that I kind of, if I don't like a shot, I'm going to make it until I like it. And that means moving stuff around physically. And you kind of know what looks good. It's different, obviously, editing out. Something in Photoshop for a still photo than it is a video, so you have to get it right. And so I kind of take the time as I'm framing it up uh, to see if that's going to look good on a screen afterwards, and and change what I don't like. And it all, ha- it all actually has to happen pretty quickly because uh, you know you can't spend a whole day at a property. So you got to frame the shot and go in, get in, get in, top top. in, get out. Right? Yeah, it's a whirlwind. It can't <laughs> be, especially the, the the ones that have people living there full time and it's not a new construction home and it's not completely empty, perfectly staged. You know, there's always something in the kitchen is the number one place where there's there's a lot of moving that happens, spices and towels and magazines.
1: Yeah. I I think a lot of people don't appreciate that side of the, uh, what you do because uh, people tend to clutter. And uh, one of the things for, you know, crisp shot would be to have, you know, decluttering. And yeah. I guess, you know, I was just thinking that maybe uh, before you go in, could you, you know, you say to the people, could you take everything that you have on the counters and put them on the floor or, or hide them?
2: Yeah. I think we've been able to, you know, most of the places I do kind of at the top around are very clean. Or they have a house manager or they are a new, new development, but uh, in either case, I just offer it when, even when it's not, you know, there's always um, a house that somebody lives in. And even when there's not, I kind of just add that as part of my service, what I provide. I'm yeah. happy, happy to do that for for clients.
1: Well, you know, it's interesting. Uh, uh, one of the things is that I know you, you when we first met uh, a while back, that uh, you said you don't employ uh, advertising and it's mm-hmm. really word of mouth. And so I imagine yeah, that's that's worked out well for you.
2: It- has and I think that's kind of allowed me to focus more on what I do and and less on the reaching out and um, you know worrying about too much about a website or all this I, I really have cut any other thing that gets in the way of uh, the product the thing that I make and you know a lot of it's a popular strategy and brands like Trader Joe's or Tesla they don't really advertise they just it's all word of mouth. So, and I firmly believe if you do something really well and just pour everything into making the best thing that shows, and that is better than any advertising. Ten, you can spend 10 times more on advertising. It still wouldn't be as valuable yeah. to the thing that you actually do.
1: Right. Well, it's like uh, for us as brokers, I mean, uh, referrals, you know, um, so you do a good job for some, one person, they're going to say, go to that person or you, like in your case, you know, you do good photography or you do good uh, videographing, go to you, you know, and it's like,
2: totally. okay, <laughs> totally. It's, it's such a parallel between um, you know, what you provide and the, the nature of the market where it's you know who, you know, and referral based and who you work with time and time again, it's very similar.
1: Well, let me ask you this. Uh, I'm going to ask you a photographic question. Um, how do you get the shots? Like, I know if I had a camera and I took a, an interior shot with a window, it, invariably the window, you cannot see what's outside on the other side, mm-hmm. but how do you get the effect like your shots of an interior shot where the, you can see what is on the other side. Like for example, if the, what you're looking at is say water or uh, waterfront of some sort, how do you get that? How do you do that? Is there like uh, changing the F stops or anything like that?
2: Yeah, that's, I'll say that's mostly Photoshop. It's a lot of time in uh, post. So in, in camera, when you're doing it, it's different for photos versus video, but for photos, you would bump the uh, exposure down a couple. So you'd, you'd take uh, brackets and one up, one down, one exposure up and down, and then you'd merge those later and, you know, editing. And then for video, it's it really comes down to the camera and, you know, what y- you shoot in, um, and how able you are to bring the highlights, they're called, and down, and then the shadows up, so that's it's really it's this pretty image that kind of resembles what the eye sees, which is you know, the, best. the outside and the
1: inside, right?
2: <laughs> the outside and the inside. Video, it's a lot harder, but there are some cameras that get up to good uh, wow. dynamic range. But it's you know it's like cinema cameras that still can't even match. Um, natural inside, outside. So it's always, it's, it's a recurring challenge. And, and it's funny because in real estate, it's just where it's most present. And right. it's, it's, uh, every photographer, every videographer runs into this problem. And it's one of the few that still exist in photography and video, the like creative uh, expression, but it's common every time in real estate. Like you, if you're in real estate, Something you have to deal you have to with. It, right. You experience it every day. Right. So, it's not, and of course, you're going to see it. And she shoot a movie, you know, that's all lit. But, and a photographer could do an out, outside event, or maybe it's a totally inside event. Here, the whole nature is being able to show what's on the outside. So, you, you have to, and you, you experience it with each shoot.
1: Right. So, um, Harris, let me ask you if somebody has some questions to ask you about photography or video, um, how can they get in touch with you?
2: Well, if you know someone, no, I was <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> I'll, I'll say have them get in touch with you. And then if you can get in touch with me, um, I can give out of my email or you know, I have a they mentioned the website which I had years ago and don't really use, but there's a little chat on there. It's just filmahouse.com. It's probably the easiest thing. And then there's Harris FLMS at Gmail. So it's films but without the I, at Gmail.
1: Gotcha, Harris. Alan, it's been a pleasure having you on the program. This is John Christopher for Real Life, broadcasting here on Long Island's only NPR station. In the meantime, we'll be right back after this short break. Welcome back to Real Life, and this is your host, John Christopher. And today I have with me interior architect and Neo plasterer, Foster Reed. Foster, how are you?
3: Good, John. Pleasure yeah, to be here.
1: Yeah, it's great to be here too with you, Foster. Um, you know, I put in there neoplaster because, you know, most people go back to the 1800s and they think of a plaster as being lathe and plaster. But I consider you a 21st century plasterer. So, but let's start by defining exactly what you do, especially when it comes to interior architecture.
3: Well, we are a supplier, and I am not an architect, by the way. But thank you for the for the uh, for the for the uh, uh, promotion. I uh, our, what I have tried to do over the years is to bring plaster back into the mainstream of interior architecture for a lot of reasons, and and it's just built on itself over the years. We do everything from shaped ceiling components all the way down to all of your trim on your walls, um, your casings, your baseboards, your panel moldings, your crown moldings, and, uh, and a, a whole bunch of other interesting, both classical and modern uh, uh, products that get inserted into your drywall program in a way that's very novel and very high performance and uh, very economical in a lot of in a lot of ways so uh, we basically are transforming the interior into a complete plaster interior
1: well you know it's uh, you bring up a good point you know why is it that uh, plastering has not you know I'm, I'm you've done a lot of projects but I think most people never even think about you know, plastering and, and uh, there are a lot of benefits to plastering.
3: Yes. Uh, Well, for one thing, it doesn't move. So you have a very stable environment, which you paint once and say, you know, that's it. Uh, You can, uh, you can walk away from it after that. There's no maintenance. There's no opening up in the humidity. There's no shrinking in the, in the cold or the heat um it's a very stable product it's also uh has really unlimited design potential whereas wood, you have to shape it you have to join it you have to put it together plaster is really essentially very malleable you can have a very complex shape almost as easily as you can have a very simple shape uh the processes are the same and they're very simple to create um it's was- an incredibly healthy product. Uh, there's, you know, an interior, a brand new interior. I would venture to say it's probably a, a fairly toxic environment. You have a lot of brand new material coming in that's made with all sorts of uh, of chemical chemicals that are off gassing, and um, it's just not it's it's not as good as it could be with the use of plaster, we use no glues, no VOCs, no uh, no toxic chemicals are, are used in the installation process. So it's very, uh, it's very um, healthy. Yeah. Uh, it's green. If you were to take your interior to the landfill, they would be happy to see it because it has no uh, chemicals uh, that are harmful chemicals to the environment that are in it. It's uh, it, it's also a very economical program for a construction project. It goes in quickly. It's not the old-fashioned run-in-place, high moisture content mess all over the place. This this program goes very quickly from top to bottom, and so it's it's uh, it's desirable to a lot of uh, to a lot of um, fast-paced. Construction projects. You
1: bring a, an interesting point because I was just thinking about this. I know a lot of uh, in the construction industry, there's a lot of issues with supply, uh, especially when it comes to lumber. Lumber has, uh, you know, jumped quite a bit. Yeah. Um, does that eliminate uh, some of the lumber by going with plaster?
3: Yes, and when you're doing a reasonably well-appointed. Uh, wood interior you're usually using paint grade mahogany or some of these more pricey and and hard to come by materials. certainly today um it's uh yeah i mean it's healthier for the planet in that way as well i suppose so
1: can you you can uh frame with plaster you can frame the uh, the, the say windows and doors and things like that to eliminate the need for the wood or do you have to have wood also
3: well, the framing, uh, either metal or wood, is, uh, is independent of, of our work. We're really part of the skin. So if you think of the drywall as the skin, uh, the trim as the skin, we're integrating with the drywall. So yes, a, a panel jam coming off of a wall or an arched opening, uh, all of these things can be pre-made, pre-manufactured, brought to the site. They are 100% plaster, pure gypsum. They're incredibly durable. They're incredibly beautiful, and um, and yeah, it's not. We're not cutting corners on structure. The structure, to your point, is uh, behind us. So that's uh, by others. So
1: basically, you can uh, speed up the uh, building process with plaster as compared to doing everything in wood. Would you say?
3: Well, certainly when we when you look at, uh, you know, if you start at the top with uh, the ceiling components, if somebody wanted vaulted ceilings, for example, or uh, barrels or domes, we pre-make all of that. There's no framing. There's none of that complex framing. There's none of the mess or the, the confusion or uh, uh, difficulties associated with trying to achieve that either by bending drywall or or doing it in three coat plaster, which is certainly doable, but again, you know, somewhat arduous. Uh, and at the end of the day, our components free up all that space above there, so they're just hanging there. Of course, they're pinned, they're stable, they're secure, uh, but they're um, they're not occupying an enormous amount of space. They go up very quickly. So those type of of what someone might look at and say, "Oh my gosh, that's a really." complicated endeavor actually isn't a lot of planning has to go into it a lot of forethought you have to put time on the front end but a lot of these projects have time on the front end if they're organized enough to utilize it to their benefit
1: now you have uh two manufacturing you do the manufacturing also and you have uh, a place in greenpoint and another place where and los angeles yeah so can you manufacture these kind of domes and and uh, ceilings that you're talking about? I mean,
3: absolutely, in- yeah. It's yeah. a it's a lot of fun doing the engineering, working with the contractors, working with the architects. We do very complex shapes and we do very simple shapes. Um, again, the the point is is that the the builder needs to supply us with absolutely nothing. You know, we just need something to hang from: rafters, joists, concrete slab. Whatever you got, we can we can hang these components. This is a this is not you know rocket science. It's not a brand new technology, but we've taken what typically was sort of a commercial technology and upped it to being a higher grade, a higher performance. Um, they use it a lot in in um, uh, seismic areas. Uh, because you can actually just hang it and not pin it at the walls and it'll just, your ceiling will just swing uh, and won't fail. So, uh, you know, the technology has been around a long time. We've just sort of, I think, taken it to the next level and kind of brought it into, hopefully into more of a mainstream uh, uh, residential use.
1: Excellent. Excellent. Um, Now, when you say plastic, sometimes you think of it as being soft and easily damaged. Is it?
3: Absolutely not. Uh, uh, The plaster we use, there's various grades of plaster. When when we get that question, usually the person has experience with old run-in-place lime. That is fairly soft, uh, admittedly. If you pull the piece down, you put your fingernail through it. What we use is pure alpha and beta gypsums, and they are incredibly hard, incredibly durable. If, yeah, you whack them with a hammer, you can chip off a piece, but if you whack a wood casing with a hammer, you're going to dent it, deform it, and chip off a piece. So actually, it's easier to repair the plaster at the end of the day than it is to try to, you know, navigate the deformed wood and the filler materials and all that, you're just pairing it with the same same material. We often get asked this question. We've sent samples to major projects where they run vacuum cleaners into the baseboard that we send them and uh, no one's come back and, and elected not to do it. So uh, I think everyone's convinced.
1: Oh, that's great. Um, I know you recently completed a project on Further Lane uh, and that was a, a modern, home design. So how do you incorporate plasterwork into modern design?
3: Well, um, again, it's a celebration of the fact that you can do almost anything with this product that integrates into the skin of your building. So uh, this project that you're referring to had a very complex spiral staircase. Now we did employ some of the old-fashioned run-in place, you know, set the tracks and run pieces, but we also employed a lot of uh, pre-made products where we could use them where they where they work best uh what's interesting they they had a light channel so as you go up the stairs on the outboard side of the uh on the outboard side of the stringer you know there's a light embedded in the wall well that was a cast piece uh little c channel where the light is up above and it casts down onto the uh onto the treads and risers and um it's just a nice architectural feature anyway even when the light's not on it's a beautiful little cove at, at ankle height, um, and we did some interesting uh, quirks where, where where you know you have no casing where it's just a, a reveal at the edge of your jam, and that was just a pre-made piece of plaster. Typically, people would do that with a metal bead, you know, and and you know marrying it to the drywall and faux paint, you know, trying to make it all work together. This is a one-shot deal where our piece just marries to the adjacent drywall with a taping joint, just like you would have with drywall. And, uh, and it's just forever. So it's oh. no, never going it to undergo sounds... some of the stresses that uh, disparate materials do when they're next to each other. Right. It sounds very uh, spectacular.
1: Um, th- now, does that mean, uh, like you were saying, you had uh, in the staircase lights. Do you, you don't provide any of the uh, electrical part. In other words, the lights in the uh, plaster, or is that something that the electrician comes in and does?
3: Yeah, we integrate with the electrician. Uh, there's a lot of, of MEP, mechanical, electrical, and plumbing, that we uh, integrate in our shop drawings, in our engineering, and we work closely with those trades. Uh, sometimes you can embed Uh, before we deliver to the job site. In the case of various domes and vaults, we'll actually embed the light trim in our castings and the electrician will just hook his light right to the back of that. Um, That's, you know, obviously something that needs to be very well coordinated, but the location and the finish of that opening now is taken care of before we even get to the job site.
1: Interesting. Now you have a pet project at Old Westbury Gardens. And you're involved in a major restoration of the Phipps Mansion, right? The, the Phipps Mansion, and I pronouncing it? Yes,
3: right? I, I was, I was um, uh, honored to be asked to be on the Preservation Committee uh, by probably what I've come to know to be one of the most wonderful teams uh, I've ever met before. Um, uh, Old Westbury Gardens is a destination for sure. Uh, Over the years, it's always been about the gardens, but the mansion itself is gorgeous. And when we uh, undertook to replace this incredible roof, which you have to read the story of, it comes from England, it's a special kind of slate, uh, and redo the the cornice on the outside, which is a uh, terracotta, glazed terracotta made here in the United States, Uh, it, it... It's just amazing. And the work they've done to the interior, the collection that they have, uh, big shout out to Old Westbury Gardens. Uh, How can someone contact
1: you if they have any questions about plaster?
3: Well, if you Google my name, because it's not that common, uh, our website comes up and uh, there's all sorts of contact information there.
1: Thank you for listening to Real Life, broadcasting on the only NPR station on Long Island, WLIW 88.3 FM.
0: You have been listening to Real Life, the program that talks about the people, the places, and the things that are the pulse and heartbeat of real estate in the Hamptons and beyond with host John Christopher, who also created the music for Real Life. wliw Delaney Hafner and Kyle Lynch provide production support. Thank you for joining us for Real Life right here on listener-supported 88.3 WLIW-FM long islands only npr station which you can also find on your favorite streaming apps and at wliw.org radio